when you're in reactive, you're in firefighting mode all day long. Your days are hectic. You don't have structure. You can't advance what you're trying to do to improve your, your staff, your company, uh, your client experience, your resident experience. Um, you, you just get stuck in the muck and you really can't proceduralize. And it's not until you proceduralize that things get better. Hello, professional property managers. Welcome to the Triple Win Podcast. I'm here with Brian Jenkins and Jonathan Cook of AHI Properties. And if you're not familiar with AHI and these guys, let me give a little bit of background, all right? Uh, they have a corporate rental business that's actually been around for 30 years, which is kind of unique. They got 10 offices, six states represented there. Uh, a ton of units, interesting business, cool business, but we're going to keep most of the focus here uh, for what many of you, uh, you know, focus on on a day-to-day, which is the long-term single-family rental business and scattered site, small multifamily business. They've got 1,100 units. Um, they've been in that business for 20 years. They're in Alabama and Oklahoma. And um, they have a podcast, by the way, I'd recommend anyone listening to this podcast, you probably want to check it out as well. It's called The Profitable Powerhouse Properties. If you just search that, you can find it, uh, you know, podcast and, and they're great hosts. I know Second Nature has been privileged to be a guest on that, on that podcast. We, we recommend it to folks often. And specifically about Brian, uh, Brian is going to be the 2021 or is the 2021 is it, what year is it, man? Uh, <laughs> no one it knows. runs together, does it? <laughs> <laughs> the 2021 RVP of the Southeast. He, I remember him. My my first year uh, in the in the industry, 2017. He was the Atlanta chapter president, and the Atlanta chapter is a very influential chapter in the NARPM organization as a whole. Um, and Brian's influence has been felt there locally as well as throughout the entire country, commonly tapped as a, as an educator. And we're not the first person to request him and Jonathan to be on because these guys are, are A, very generous, and they really know what they're talking about. And for those less familiar with Jonathan, he, he runs the business development over at AHI and just a really fun guy to talk to, also involved in NARPM and playing leadership roles. Great to see and uh, Jonathan, also, I want to kick it off with what heat do you like your hot chicken? Uh, that's what the people want to know. The, the only answer is hotter. <clears throat> I think it's the only way you can go. Whatever you got, just kick it up. Five or six notches. One, one notch, why even? I mean, not step out, man. Of course. Do, do, you, do you remember the chicken that started the chicken? Because it was here in Birmingham <laughs> that you brought me hot chicken and i said andrew this is not hot chicken and he said well let me introduce you to and he fixed chicken. that in nashville he did tim wallace i assume you're also listening congratulations you uh, ate more than me there was an yeah. odd number left all i have to say to end that part of the discussion is he says it on this side of eating the chicken but on the you back side there. he's like i shouldn't bad. have gone so it was hot, a bad so. situation it was, it was rough <laughs> I'm pretty sure I stole milk from your building. We we did get an invoice for milk uh, post event, 
and uh, it was worth every penny uh, for the entertainment factor. And it, it's a test of someone's character, you know. And Jonathan passed the test with flying colors. And I want to know, I like, I want a post episode like comment number for how many people have no idea what we're talking about. I mean, there's some. There's got to be some. But if you don't know, just check Andrew's Facebook page. He has pictures, and they're not very flattering, but it was fun. <laughs> we'll have to get uh, a link to a photo in the show notes or something like that. That's right. Yeah. So it's not it's not too much of an inside joke, but yes, Hattie B's Hot Chicken and Prince's Hot Chicken have made their... Uh, have made their way into into Jonathan Cook's belly, and um, it was a sight to be seen the second time around. Um, all right. Well, hey, I know people are here to listen to what what are some of the best practices in property management? I mean, again, you guys have decades of experience, and it's not just you've been in the property management business for a long time. You guys have been leaders in the industry for a long time and your organization constantly evolves. You're constantly doing new things. You're constantly pushing the boundaries of how can we create great results for investors and residents alike um, and create a great place to work, uh, you know, that attracts and retains great talent, you know? And so we wanted you to be on the triple win podcast because those are the kind of people we like to talk to uh, beyond, beyond our, our personal connection. So I, I want to get started with this which is, I know you guys have an opinion about working with investors and not just owners. And I'd love for you guys to start there about how you define your ideal customer and why and what kinds of conversations you're wanting to have with them, uh, you know, based on who they are. And, and wh like, why is that your target customer investors versus owners? Could you guys start there? So I'll set it up as to what our ideal customer is, and then I'll let Jonathan get into the why, mm -hmm. if that's fair. Um, and I say this after, you know, getting into property management, doing it for a decade. And I said, I used to have a big knot on my forehead because I would walk up to the wall and I'd hit the same spot every time, learning from my own mistakes. And then uh, 2011, I found NARPM, and then from there, we've we've changed drastically um, through the influences of other property managers who have a lot more experience than I do and I respect wholeheartedly. But, but up until that point, we were pretty much other than ourselves. We were exclusively managing accidental landlords. And uh, to us, by definition, an accidental landlord, as many PMs know, it's just somebody that really doesn't hold the property for the intention of, of holding an investment property. It's most often it's they lived in the property, they moved out of the property for whatever reason they didn't sell, they were looking for an alternative. They turned to a local property management company and said, here, manage the property for me. Um, so they have no idea what they're doing as investors. And basically for them, the important thing is if you're taking care of the asset and you're making sure that their mortgage is paid um, at a minimum, then they feel like that's, you know, that's a successful relationship. So fast forward, actually, I should go backwards from NARPM to 0708. We all know what happened there as we got into 2009, 2010. Um, we saw the need to diversify our portfolio and really to uh, focus on 
what we were managing within that portfolio and the percentages of what we were managing. So we didn't get too top heavy. Uh, I think uh, 05, we started dealing with some investors um, that really got upside down because of their philosophies on reinvesting their capital out of one property into another purchase. Um, so they got caught upside down, a lot of short sales, foreclosures. We lost a lot of inventory in 2009 and 10 uh, due to that. So that kind of forced us to think outside that box and and really focus in on, okay, we, we have accidental landlords. You want to always have a percentage of those, um, but you need some intentional investors. And then beyond that, you need some institutional-minded investors. Um, so we started putting together a plan of how we would go about doing that. And then it was really um, about six and a half, seven years ago that we really rolled completely into that model and started targeting uh, our ideal clients and then really going after them to bring them in, diversify that portfolio. So we're managing what we consider A-class, B-class, C-class, single family residential, uh, as well as accidental landlords, intentional investors, and institutional investors. And uh, and I'll let Jonathan pick it up from there. I just wanted to kind of tee you up for that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we're talking about the why, why, why do I prefer to develop business with investors versus an accidental landlord? I mean, there's a lot of shorthand in this industry as a whole, um, and, and conversations just move quicker when there is a common understanding. Um, and, and even the most, uh, or, or the, the least investor-minded property manager under just speaks in everyday jargon that, that if you're not in this industry in any way, shape, or form, if you are a, uh, I, I, I don't know, a veterinarian, and you had a house that you accidentally don't need anymore and I can't sell it. Oh my gosh, let me accidentally let these, this company manage it. I mean, you're not going to understand a lot that goes on with it. Every call that I take from an accidental landlord, um, getting them up to speed with me to even get them to allow us to then show them how good it is is an entire day's worth of education piece on just what managing a rental property is, what happens in a rental property, who does maintenance on the rental property. Do, do I still have to pay for maintenance? Yes. I mean, it, there and, and any property manager listening to this has had that conversation of, well, okay, you're, you're managing my property. So when like the roof caves in, does the tenant pay for that? No, no, you do. It's your house. I mean, and, and having to walk them because that's, and it's not that they're stupid. It's not that they're uneducated. It's they're not in this industry. They don't know. And so the time it takes to develop that homeowner into just allowing you, the professional in this this instance, to then explain to them that you know what you're doing, then start to build the trust, then start to build the relationship, and then take over for them and handle that relationship, you know, long down the road, you're only getting the one opportunity. Do it one time on one address. And that's the only uh, you know, process that you're going to have with them. Whereas an investor, 
When I'm talking to an investor, I can show my expertise on every one of their homes, every one of their properties. I can show them, not that I know better, that I understand what they're talking about. I can understand their goals and I can couple with them on their goals and I'm adding value to myself and my company. I'm not just going to go and collect a rent check, take a piece out and hand them the rest of it. No, we've had, we've had intentional investors through networks that we've talked out of major purchases. Just yeah. when we analyze all the information, even though they had independent uh, analysis done in which they're saying yes, 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 and and really breaking it out on a three-year projection that's no, 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 and have them back away from it yeah. before they make a major financial commitment. So, And when you can build, when you can show them, hey, I do understand what your goal is, and I understand it in a way that I will be able to take you over that, that finish line. I am more prepared, more, uh, you know, what is the word? I'm just more capable of handling this for you and what you're looking for than someone else, because I understand it from, from at least everything that you're talking about. And Hey, also I've got these extra tips for you. So you're adding, additional value on top of yourself other than just collect the rent, just get a tenant yeah, out when I need to. And please understand, uh, uh, you know, for the listeners, we're not claiming no. Oh, of course not. Anything about everything. But, but at the same time, it's everyone will understand when you work with an accidental landlord, the education piece, you're moving backwards to establish a baseline education in the investor uh, not just jargon, but practices, procedures, you know, all that. But when you get into that intentional investor, they've had some dealings. And more often than not, they've had some dealings with some poor property management companies. And we'll get into what kind of defines that a little bit later. But they've also had some dealings with some, some skilled property management companies. And then when you get into the institutional guys, those investors, um, that's when you really up your game and bring your expertise to the table. But at the same time, they're teaching you things that you're going to implement into your practices and and, uh, and into your procedures, actually, to make you a better property management firm. Some so, of the ways we report specifically came from those kind of clients, yeah, too. It's yeah, a lot, of, a lot of it is. A lot of our, um, you know, investment calls and, and trying to sort through availability and, and what that property looks like from taking possession, getting it back into uh, marketing and rental. Uh, those workflows. So, so it is, uh, you know, it's always, you, you made reference earlier, my, my old phrase, you know, I'm, I grew up in West Virginia, I always say I'm just a hillbilly at heart, but, um, but my thing is always, you know, my, my grandfather always used to tell me, it's like, keep, keep your foot on the gas. And, uh, and that's really my lingo challenge to my team. It's like, you know, <clears throat> we're, we're not going to coast, we're always going to keep our foot on the gas and always become a better property management firm. Uh, and always kind of challenge ourselves, step out there and, and do a better job. So, so that's, mm. that's why we diversified. It was really an anticipation of the next event, which we knew would come. Now, granted, this event is so much different than the 0708 event. Um, you know, there, you can, there's, there's plenty of ways. We've, we've said accidental owners couldn't sell our house. Obviously, that's not the case <laughs> today. Uh, as management firms across the country are losing large percentages of their inventory to sales, including AHI. Um, but it's all in how you regain that traction and, and bring new new business in ongoing on a regular basis. And really, you know, we've referred to it as establishing those funnels 
where there's, you know, it's it's more than a drip campaign. It's really, truly is a funnel. It's There's always lead generation coming in. There's always positive, you know, balance out of positive growth, even amongst all the losses. And sometimes you'll take a big hit and then you rebound from that and move forward. So, um, but that's, that's it. We just didn't want to get caught with, you know, the old, the old saying of all of our eggs in one basket. We wanted to diversify mm-hmm. so we could weather the storm one way or the other. And that is, uh, it's proven to be a good philosophy for us. I, I love what you both shared there. And I'd love to, you know, reflect back. And then I want to ask Jonathan to talk about something specific that I know we've talked about previously after that. And what I, what I hear you guys saying is you've got this nice framework of three types of customers. There's the accidental landlord. There's the intentional investor and there's the institutional investor and you know one of the big benefits that your company is seeing is hey working with the latter two there's there's less education effort right to bring people up to how to work with a professional property manager and value what a professional property manager can do for them you are able to speak, you know, with terms, I'm sure like NOI and, uh, or, or, you know, cash on cash returns. There's probably, you know, a glossary of terms, I'm sure that, uh, that somebody who's new to the game, you kind of bring up to speed. Um, the, it, it really gets me to what we hear a lot of leaders in the industry are trying to do to position themselves, which is, we're not just a property manager, right? We're not, we're not in this business that's kind of perceived, uh, rightly or wrongly by some, as I'm a tradesperson, right? And we have real expertise in consulting that actually enables us to be something more like an asset manager, that you would see with any asset class or investment class, whether it's stocks and bonds, whether it's another segment of real estate, et cetera, having a dedicated asset manager who can go through the kinds of things you guys were talking about, weaving through the conversations with your clients of, let's look at the three-year performance here. And uh, hey, we're going to advise you actually not to do this because it doesn't check these boxes, right? And as, as your asset manager, if you will, this, these decisions aren't in line with your goals based on what we can see is going, you know, what we believe is going to happen. And we've got decades of experience that tells us, you know, here's what you can expect. Here's what you might do instead, you know, to better, to better reach your goals. You're able to have those kind of conversations and, and, you know, that's chiefly who you're working with. The last thing I'll say here before getting to my question for Jonathan is, a problem or challenge that we see so much of the professional or dedicated property management industry encountering is the, what we would call the churn problem. And you referenced it. There are some companies and portfolios based on their customer base you know, that are losing 30% of their portfolio year over year, right? Or, or 25% of their portfolio year over year that's not uncommon across hundreds, thousands of companies to see that. Particularly in a red hot sales market. Across oh God, the yeah. so. And the single family industry, mm-hmm. certainly. That's right. And so, you know, okay, well, 
if you look at that, and let's just say I have a, a thousand units, right, to make the math easy. Well, I'm churning 300 units. And so just to keep everybody employed, right, that I've got currently employed and be able to operate, I've got to invest into sales and marketing and everything else to replace. Th I mean, I've basically got to sell, you know, a PMA a day, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> a, wor a working day in order to stay where I'm at. And if I have aspirations to grow my company, it's going to be really difficult to do that in that environment. Whereas I imagine many of the clients you guys have worked on diversifying and working with now, you're, yeah, I don't, I don't know your churn rate, but my bet is it's not 40% or 50%. You know, it's, it's, it's not it, south it's of not, that. It's not, but I, I can tell you, you know, we came into 2020 with, uh, I mean, our growth plan for 2020 was tremendous. We, we had an upside of a 50%, uh, I'm sorry, 100% growth expectation for 20, 2020. In February um, 15th, I had 117 <laughs> properties under contract to close. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll clarify that a little bit. It was 100% for our Birmingham market sure. specifically. So, but we had commitments and uh, obviously COVID happened and, uh, you know, we still ended up with a, a pretty a pretty nice chunk of that, but, but probably, you know, a third of our realized expectation at that particular point. But, you know, fast forward to 2021 and we took a hit. We took a, you know, we took a 30% loss hit uh, with a couple of big clients. And, and the thing I didn't foresee was some um, institutionals rolling up. And, uh, and that's, that's what uh, hit us. And then we just got, you know, we had our funnels and we just started working those funnels and working other projects in our pipeline because we always have deals that are, you know, they're anywhere from six to 18 months out. We know we're working them, we're working those relationships and uh, just leaning on those a little bit. And we're still um, just realizing this, the success we've had with that. And they, they just continue to, uh, thankfully, just to add to our business and, and help us uh, not only recover, but then get into positive growth again. So, which is, you know, it's it's challenging right now, and it's a lot of a lot of people across the country are. I've heard a lot of chatter, particularly with the accidental landlord heavy um, management firms, and they're they're losing, as you said, anywhere from thirty to fifty percent of their management portfolios to retail sales. And then, you know, if you if you look at that even more closely you're even restricting the amount of available rental homes because they're you're pulling them out of a rental pool yeah. in inventory and then rolling them into retail resale, which is going to be owner occupied. So you're making, you're making a supply situation even tighter, which is, you know, we could get into a lot of discussions on build to rent and all those different philosophies, but that's why those, those philosophies are having success as well. And that we're taking a lot of that inventory in, which is, you know, that's been wonderful um, just oh, because God. we hadn't seen new inventory um, after 07 and 08. Really, after 08, we had some new inventory coming in uh, into 07, but uh, brand new construction. And uh, to see that again, that that's really nice to have that that level of, of home in our management portfolios. But even those mm -hmm. aren't easy. I mean, even those are seasoned investors. Yeah. Uh, yeah. E what, what I have noticed about that churn, um, it, it kind of goes into something that we did want to eventually talk about, which is, you know, proactive uh, 
management versus reacting. Reacting to this is not a great, uh, that's everybody just going, oh, and screaming. Well, the proactive example I had is, remember Absolutely. the one we pulled up, we had, a, we had an investor in Montgomery, it's like, you know, they had a big capital expense come up and it was like, hey, we gotta, we gotta spend this. Oh, I just wanna sell it, I'm losing money. It's like, okay, so I told Jonathan, I'm like, let's go back three years and let's lay it all out on our traditional consulting base sheets. We laid it out. He made money every single year. Obviously, some were even better than others. And even this year, when he money. had a big capital yeah. expenditure, he's still making money. And then and when we talked about, around. and then when I when I when I had the conversation with us, and this guy is an intentional investor. Mm -hmm. This was not an accidental mm -hmm. purchase or an accidental landlord situation. It was okay. Well, let's talk about why you want to get rid of it. Is it because of this one bill? Well, no. I just don't feel like I've been making any money. Well, okay. Let's let's talk about you selling it. If you sell it, this is what you can reasonably expect for sale, which was like less than a 1% gain because where he had purchased was in an area that just doesn't see a lot of appreciation, yeah, even, even in, in the market. current market. Yep. And he was like, that's all. And I'm like, yeah, feel free to get someone else's opinion on it. But yes. Real like, rates are appreciating, but not, yeah. the, not this. And so then he was like, well, I'm not even making any money on this property. Well, you have for three years. And let's talk about if you do cash out, what are you going to do with it? We stopped. Well, I'd like another investment. I go, one that cash flows? Yeah. Cash flows better than this? Well, I don't think this one's cash flowing. And I put the math in front of him and I go, this is the ledger. This is what you've made. Mm. How is that not cash? What What is your mortgage? He was like, well, my mortgage yeah, is X. And I was like, you've cash flowed $200 we, a month. We've all uh, seen firsthand the, you know, what the advantage of Zoom. Yeah, I mean, we were using Zoom before COVID, but really to be able to share screens and show them. Just put it on an yeah, Excel spreadsheet and put it in front of their face it, it, and have them fine. tell me where I'm wrong is great because then they're like, oh, you're not. Yeah, I know I'm not. <laughs> but th and that's where, okay, so going back to, I do want to get to what your actual question is because I don't think we've heard it yet. You're, 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 you're talking we're about it right there, there which is. Yep. Go ahead. Ask your question because I, I think it might be what I'm about to say. Go ahead. So. When we look at the source of this churn, it's so it's a a good portion of it is people who are trying to time the market, whether they're an intentional investor, whether they're an accidental landlord, right? And listen, everything they're hearing, whether it's news media, other investors, it's their their sister in law, you know, is telling them <laughs> now is the time to sell. And people have been saying that for the last forever, Ten years. right? Uh, <laughs> now is the time to sell. We've been hearing that for years. Uh, we will probably be hearing it for, for months to come, quarters to come, years to come. So, you know, what, what I think is great is, hey, when people have had that influence mm -hmm. and they're coming to you uh, and saying, I'm thinking about making a decision here, right? Here's a decision I'm thinking about making. You know, can you walk through how you work through that conversation so that, hey, the people that should sell or need to sell do, Certainly. right? And, and the people that shouldn't, you know, they can, you can show them a cash out refi. You can show them other things, you know, that actually may be better aligned with their goals. Um, and th I think this, this is exactly the conversation. I mean, I have it tons of times a day. Um, and, and Warren Buffett has a great, great, a great quote that it's, it's not timing the market. It's the time yeah, in the market right. yeah. that creates wealth. And, and I mean, this is jumping past you know, the initial conversation that you have with someone, but but ultimately understanding as a property manager, 
the, the information that you need to impart on this owner that considers selling is you want them to understand that building wealth is never about selling real estate. It's always about owning the real estate. And if you sell it, you no longer own it. And then where are you going to put that money to re-own some real estate? How, how are you going to find some more real estate to own? Right this minute with all these sales, even if you make enough money to afford another one, what you're competing with is owner occupants that are they're going, they're going to get those offers in quicker. They're willing to pay more than it's worth because they're not looking at the purchase as an investment. They're looking at it as, I need a place to live. There's a housing shortage. So you're not going to win that battle from an investment standpoint. So getting rid of your current investment that's operating and doing, doing what you wanted, what you had planned initially, is a better it's a smarter investment decision. Just because you hear all this anecdotal evidence of the being the hottest real estate market ever, it's not going down. And that's fine. Just because something gets hot doesn't mean you need to go and play in it. That, that's great if you happen to need to sell. The only time, in my opinion, that a, that a client absolutely needs to sell is if they're in a hardship and they can't currently afford it. Mm-hmm. If they can't make the payments, yeah, they need to sell. This is a fine time to sell because you are going to make at least what you got in it back, likely. And you have to be able to pivot. I mean, it's even Always looking pivot. at our own portfolio because we got we were investors before we got into property management, and uh, so we were buying A class assets for corporate leasebacks through our corporate housing company. And the original strategy when we bought our first fifty-two A class properties was seven years. You know, we wanted to own them for seven years, lease them out through. Um, multiple corporate tenants, and then flip them out with systems lifespans left for the next investor. Or, you know, in, in the case of the A-class asset, it would be likely to be a, an owner-occupant. And uh, and then 07, 08 hit, because we were buying them in 2000 to 2002, really 2001 to 2003. And so it really hit our, hit our plan. And it's like, okay, well, we're going to start We're going to reset the clock because we're going to start, you know, dealing with some HVAC water heaters and and big expenditures. So we ended up sitting tight on that entire portfolio. And now, I mean, all these years later, we've started to sell some of them, but we put roofs and HVACs and water heaters and and, uh, reset those timelines and set them up for the next investors. And now it's benefited us greatly because we're cashing out in a very hot sales market. Um, And then we're, ironically, we're even seeing some some big names in the industry institutional coming into our market space and paying over retail uh for for single properties trying to build their portfolio presence and uh which you know as long as i've been in the game i've not seen that happen so that was uh, that was pretty cool um but that's just an indicator of everything that's going on but to jonathan's point is you know it is it's it's literally everybody's hearing this chatter I mean, you're hearing it from the media, you're hearing it from your friends, you go to a cocktail party, people are talking about it. But it's all Facebook news. Man. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's not incorrect. No. It's just, it's anecdotal. And and this is where, and, and I it's harp on It's kind of on one this. goal. One, it go, is. one goal fits all. And that's it not, is. That's not how it works. And so, so that's where, I mean, and I'd say this, and I said this in all of my masterminds that I'm in, it's, it, this is where your education really shines. I mean, educate yourself. Anyone listening, educate yourself on your markets. 
what they're doing, where that goes. Understand your clients. Understand the investment. You, you've got to educate yourself. And I, there's there's tons of people that know more about it than I do. There's no doubt. But I understand it enough to at least ask those questions to, well, where does it make sense? Let's walk through this step by step. Tell me where I'm wrong about something and we'll address that. Because sometimes the investment doesn't work, but right. the solution isn't always to let go of it. It's, well, let's figure out what we need to do to make this work. Is that right? Uh, to the point of the example I gave earlier of talking, you know, one of our, our larger clients out of a, a major purchase for a development was, I mean, you know, you, you kind of work your way into that inner trust circle by proving yourself through your education, through your advice. And then when it comes down to it, you know, you're, you're, you're building a lifelong client because they're putting their trust in your analytics versus somebody that's got skin in the game somewhere else. And that's where you have to be careful because I mean, I, early on, I learned a hard lesson of working with West coast investors that were using local realtors, relying on the local realtors to give rent market analysis. And then, having that property dumped in your lap with a with a rent market analysis to two fifty, three hundred dollars higher than it should have been back then. Yeah. And then you're then you're dealing with some upset investors as to why it won't lease at the, you know, at the listing price that the, the realtor gave them. So, you know, just just making sure that you're coming across you, you keep yourself outside the arena of being in the personal space of gain and uh, because when you do that and you're really working for the best interest of your client that's going to come to you you don't have to focus on that up front it's so transparent I, and i you know at least i can see it it's like i it's like looking through polarized lenses into the water at fish you know it's kind of like okay i can see this guy's angle is here and he's got to really get that sales commission. So it's important yeah, for that's, him. That's right. That Unfortunately, that that's, price that's human nature. And uh, to be able to identify that and, and keep yourself outside of that and really work for the benefit of your client, you'll, you'll end up with lifelong clients. And that's that's part of mm -hmm. that, you know, that churn that you have a less less churn. You may have more of the ones that want to micromanage and the ones you really, you know, sometimes cringe when I hear people saying, hey, just get rid of them. Sometimes it is best if you can afford to do it. And it's really on where you're at in your situation and keeping your staff employed and, you know, all those things because people are struggling. And sometimes, uh, you know, they're they're having to retain those clients and may not want to necessarily. Sure. Absolutely. Well, here's what I want to do. I feel like we've we've pretty well covered this. I feel like people will, will say we got it. Um, got some good stuff there. There's a couple of things I want to cover with you guys before we run out of time. So one is, I know you guys talk as much or more than we do about the importance of being proactive versus reactive. And I'll set this up with, there's a great book by one of my favorite authors. It's actually a group of brothers called Chip and Dan Heath. They've written books like Switch. They've written books like Made to Stick, uh, Decisive. Anyway whole bunch of books. Uh, I think they're Duke University guys, and they're kind of in that Malcolm Gladwell, hey, there's a bunch of science and research behind this, but we're going to present it in ways people like Andrew Smallwood can understand. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's more palatable. Uh, I'll take pictures when I can, but at least some good stories uh, that, uh, that illustrate the points is helpful. And the newest book is called Upstream 
And the story of Upstream is about a couple of guys walking along the side of a river and they see a child who is struggling to swim floating down the middle of the river. And so being good guys like Brian Jenkins and Jonathan Cook, uh, they jump in and uh, they, they pull the child out of the river. They get over to the, the side of the river. And just as they've done that, they see about 50 yards up the river, another child floating down the river. And so they jump back in again, pulling him over. And as they pull him over, they see two kids in the river <laughs> struggling to come down. So one of them jumps back in, and as he comes up for air, making his way over, he's looking for his buddy, and he sees his buddy just bolting up the side of the riverbank. And he's like, hey, where are you going? You know, <laughs> I, I, I need some help over here. There, there's two kids in the water. And he says, I'm going to catch the MFR who's putting kids in the water. <laughs> right? Uh, and so it's such a telling tale because so many property managers experience this on a day-to-day -day basis of feeling like they're pulling kids out of the water. And it's hard to get upstream and say, how, where does this problem originate from? How do I solve it up here? And listen, I, I would contend that reactive maintenance and doing reactive maintenance well that is a incredibly valuable skill because it, it's going to inevitably happen at some point. So you need to be skilled and good at handling it. I'm not, I wouldn't suggest everyone goes always upstream all of the time, right? But you, you have to understand the whole stream and look for where are the opportunities upstream uh, to be more proactive. And so with now that kind of laid out, I you need to have Ray Hespin on from property property mail just to kind of talk through that a little bit because uh, he's yeah. actually got some great thoughts on had a detailed conversation with him at southern states and in in regard to proactive uh, proactively working maintenance and uh, the benefit to clients and property managers from that aspect but highly recommend uh, talking to him as a potential guest for your future episodes so you know we're all good friends so we'll definitely <laughs> yeah. get ray here uh, at some point <laughs> I I'd love to ask you guys the practical question. Like, hey, everyone, great story. Uh, it, it's hard to find someone who would disagree with saying, like, no, I don't want to be proactive, right? But, <laughs> but hey. How do you do let's it? Get, that, that's it. That's the question for you guys of, you know, what's working for you in AHI, places where you've gone proactive that you're seeing a big benefit? Um, and talk a little bit about the benefits you're seeing and what you're doing. I'm going to take the easy one. Okay. I, I'm just going to take it. Take it's it. just sitting on the table. It's too, and, and it, it's, it's too easy to not literally just point the camera back at you, Andrew, and say, well, second nature is like an exact perfect. It's the best example that I walk clients. When I explain to clients the proactive, because I mean, I have this conversation with clients. I tell them that we're proactive versus reactive and they have the same question. Well, what does that mean? How does that work? And my example, 90% of the time is second nature. I say 90, it's 99. It's just second nature. So we internally experienced a 40% reduction in HVAC maintenance calls from the time that we started using second nature to current. 
40% is a ridiculous number. That's that's astronomical. And when I tell them, I mean, that that is a number that uneducated accidental landlords go, oh, wow, that's big, because it's such a big number. When we're when we're talking about preventative maintenance, and it's so simple, and every time we think about it, and I walk, and I get to my house, and I walk underneath my air filter, I go, ah, I need to change it right now. Just, it just makes me think of it, because it's, it's such a big difference to the life of that HVAC system, and the cost of second nature versus the cost of an HVAC system is ridiculous. $4,500 is like your starting point for I've got to replace this HVAC versus I'm going to have a filter delivered to my house every 60 days. Well, the, the other dynamic it's, with that is, the, it's insane. you know, we talk about triple wind philosophy and we're on your, you know, your podcast. The triple wind podcast uh, is a perfect example of that too. So, so part of that, looking through that lens is Jonathan's touched upon, you know, two benefited parties. Uh, well, really three, but uh, you know we can expand upon that. So obviously the owner's benefits benefiting because there's reduction in maintenance costs, longevity of equipment lifespan, but then your staff's benefiting from it because you have fewer work orders you're issuing. So it's fewer man hours dedicated to that task for that property. And then the, the residents benefiting from it for cleaner air, uh, lower utilities. Convenience. And the convenience of not having their air conditioning unit fail, right? So that also is also the convenience of not having to go get it. That that's true. Like it is such a you just great convenience. Tacking those on. That's why we use that as an example, just because, you know, that that one really gives benefits to to everybody involved on multiple levels, not just one here, one there. Um, but really, you know, you, you tie that in, Andrew. You tie something as simple as the filter change in reduction in maintenance. Uh, experienced operators know that the more maintenance you have. Uh, with a resident, a highly, you know, you're highly more likely to lose that resident from that property in, in a lease renewal process. Uh, therefore, you know, scaling down your uh, your length of tenancy. But but what we see is, you know, happy, happy tenants stay. With happy tenants staying, come happy owners if you're doing your job well. So you're really giving longevity to all those relationships that benefit you, the property manager, and uh, and allowing that revenue to continue flowing. You know, we, we talked about churn rate, that's a property you're not losing uh, for any reason outside of your own control, so, or within your control. But really being, to me, being proactive is, you know, there's so many different levels to it. I think, um, you know, one one of the things we like to do is with our podcast, the intent with our podcast was an education piece uh, designed specifically for intentional investors that were getting into it. And, you know, one of the things that we do and, and something I recommend to, to listeners, if you're getting into that space of trying to figure out how you start to work with those intentional investors and, and the lingo and that sort of thing, is go to where they're where they're initially learning, understanding what they're being taught, and then coming back and being the market expert and being able to identify that, hey, we a we know what we're doing, and then we know where you're coming from, so we know what you're hearing and what's being discussed. Not only where they're getting their education, but also in those cocktail parties amongst their friends that have expendable income to to buy a property here and there. So. So those those pieces, it all it all really plays together. And if you're being proactive with the education, 
then we get into you know something we started this year um, was the quarterly Zoom calls with our clients, giving them the why. So why are we doing this? Why have we onboarded this system, this policy, this procedure? It's not telling them how we're doing it. We're just giving them the why so they can get our vision and understand that we're working in their benefit. And, and that's where it goes from just proactive maintenance to yeah. proactive management. It, it, uh, it does. And that it, and again, it creates long-term clients because I, I can't even tell you how many dozens upon dozens of, of emails and just comments in our chat while we're doing them, just, you know, the owner clients, and I'll, I'll quit using the word owner. Ray and I were discussing, you know, trying to create this, this shift of mentality and, and dropping the word owner and inserting the word investor because that's where we all need to be is all of our investors you know kicking back positive feedback we've not had one negative comment from any of that and many times will be hey I, I couldn't make it can you send that out to me which we do to all of our uh, all of our investors anyways but uh, just the specifics and it's good to good to feel that and it, it, they appreciate the communication nobody's doing that well there's there's certain clients that we have where if you're doing a good job as a property manager, if you have a tenant that stays in place seven or eight years and you haven't touched base with that owner because you haven't had to remarket or anything, how do they know that you now use second nature? How do they know that, oh, now we're doing Rhino or whatever it may be? How do they know why we're doing these new things? How do they know that we're getting better at our jobs? Just based on my own experience, probably from the past is those, those clients are, you know, it's kind of what we were talking about a little bit before we came on air was, uh, you know, hey, the only time I hear from you is when you need something or something's wrong. And uh, and then the other piece of that was with that example, it's like, hey, what do you mean your rates are now this? I was paying this back when I signed up. Yeah, but you're getting all the benefit of this. So understanding, and it's great. I love seeing clients that I've had for 15 plus years on those Zoom calls asking questions because they're seeing our growth and they're seeing that we're we've got our foot on the gas we're improving the company improving our processes our personnel our education and better managing their properties and they appreciate it i mean we've had a lot of comments from long-term clients that are actually you know hey we've we stuck with you we're so glad we're here and uh you guys are doing some great things so we you know that it, it really just comes down to that and and my last thought, and I'll get off my soapbox in regard to proactive versus reactive. When you're in reactive, you're in firefighting mode all day long. Your days are hectic. You don't have structure. You can't advance what you're trying to do to improve your your staff, your company, uh, your client experience, your resident experience. Um, you, you just get stuck in the muck and you really can't proceduralize. And it's not until you proceduralize that things get better and you have the ability to grow and to go after the clients you're looking for. Um, you know, and, it, and you, you've always got to be able to pivot because it's, it's going to, you're going to have a day, a week, a month. You know, we just had an, we just had a transition in one of our offices where we had to come in and, and do some reactive stuff to get back to proactive with procedures rolled back out and reestablished in which we, you know, it, the, the nice thing is the team all knows what to do and they come in and it's just like a, you know, it's almost like, you know, the Surpro commercials, like it never happened. You just come in and you just correct everything, get it back on track, and then you're right back in your systems again. But, um, but really, you know, 
it's property management and people either love it or hate it. I, I love it. And uh, most people that love it are problem solvers. And, uh, you know, we just like doing what we're doing. So there's always going to be challenges. If there weren't, it'd just be any other boring job. <laughs> That's so great. Um, you guys covered so much there. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I want to know it. it it's it's great. I just want to reflect back a couple important things. I think it's a good transition from we talked about proactive preventive maintenance, you know, and how that you, Jonathan made the point of there's a tie from that to something bigger of just proactive management. And here's how we look at this. One of the important things you guys mentioned was it's not just the preventive maintenance, but when you think about how that impacts the experience of the resident, right? This is where so many one-star reviews come from, oh, right? Yes. Is the, the, the broken HVAC. It's your staff getting beat down and ruining their day because of that emotional call from somebody who is just upset and determined to be upset, right? And it, it when you have a happier resident, you have what you guys call the stickiness factor. We may talk about that later. Of um, You reduce your vacancy cost, right for it for the investor and that's a critical piece to winning the game in sfr it's one of the biggest costs is that vacancy cost um and i think it just goes to speak to how you guys adopt you know not just the lens of the triple win but the real spirit behind it which is it's driven by not how do we maximize transaction value on a moment-to-moment -moment basis but how do we maximize the lifetime value of this relationship, right? With a resident, with an investor. Uh, and when you make decisions from that, that point of view, which is different, you start to make decisions differently that optimize for long-term, right? For everybody versus the short-term or the moment. And uh, it's showing up in your guys' results. So it's great to hear. Let's move to communication. We had David Osborne, who's, a, who's an investor that has over 100 single-family prop, prop, properties himself. He shared some great stuff. And one of the highlights from that was him talking, people asked him, I think it was Brad Randall that just asked him, like, what's the difference between the professional property managers you hire, right, and the ones that you don't? Like, what made you choose the teams that you work with? or versus doing it yourself, everything else. And he said, well, of course, performance matters. And really, it comes down to great communication. And so I think so many people in this industry know how important communication is. Um, but I'd love for you guys to speak to that. We talked about the Zoom calls. But you know, how do you guys think about communication, doing it well? W what are some practical things you could share uh, you know, with the listeners in, in the audience about communication? I would say slow it down. Slow it down is huge. Um, and that, that sounds vague and just like a, you know, oh, here's some advice to put on a tweet and leave it alone. That's not, today is a really good example of this is because of some weird phone tree shenanigans. I've been getting tenant calls and it's awesome. It's hilarious and adorable. And I took this call from a tenant out in Oklahoma City that was having a maintenance problem. And well, I've been trying to do, and I was like, okay, hang on. And instead of just saying, all right, here's the extension, the, the extension that you need to call, I don't want to talk to you. Like that, that's, that's always the reaction. That, that seems to be 
the reaction always when it comes to communicating. And, and I'm talking about with tenants and owners. Oh, I don't want to talk to him. Just let me put it in an email. Okay. Because you don't want to have anybody yell at you. I mean, I, having thick skin is a great thing to have in this industry. I let her yell you at me for five minutes. Yeah. I let her yell at me about the problem, about how it's this and this and this. And I don't want to have to get a lawyer involved and blah, blah, blah. I just sat there and listened for a minute and I slowed it down and said, okay, let's talk about the steps that you've gone through. Now, I'm the business development manager and I'm on the road right this minute. So I'm not going to be able to get to your property in Oklahoma because I'm in Birmingham and fix it directly. So let's slowly walk through all the steps that you've done, what steps we have done, and let's figure out the best way to do this. And then she was, okay, well, this is what's happened. This is what I've done. And this is, and I was like, okay, I understand that. And then I educated her, like, not in a condescending manner, just, okay, so as, as a resident, you don't always understand who owns what, who makes what decisions, who, okay, so just the current situation, let, let's talk about the ownership of the property that you're in, who gets to make what decisions, where it needs to be made, and how they're looking at it. And through just a, a short little conversation and, and talking about it, not in reaction method, which is what we're talking about here. You don't want to, I didn't want to just spray water at the fire and, oh, you need to talk to someone else. Ha, huh, now I'm not on the phone anymore. It's let me understand what you're saying and let me see if you understand what I'm saying. D does this make sense? Yeah, it does. Okay, so this is what I think our next step should be. And we will keep working on these steps in this manner until the, the problem is resolved. And she was like, that is great. Thank you so much for telling me how to do this. And it went from, I hate everybody and I'm going to sue your company to, I am so appreciative that I got to speak with you on the phone. That is more help than I've ever received from anybody in a property management setting. And then the follow-up, obviously, is vitally important. So, yeah. And that's, and I guess that's to the point, it, you know, we took it on a, on a very singular level there to, to make it a very basic case that everybody deals with day in and day out. But, but it's really disciplining yourself when you get involved in something, don't just touch it and walk away, hand it off, do the follow-up and make sure that it's been handled uh, and it's worth it. It'll be worth it in the, you know, just in the experience from, from the resident in this particular case. Um, and I would also say, you know, on the owner, we talked a, bit, a little bit about the communication aspect of how some of our older clients have, have really um, just appreciated what we've been doing with communication and, and as to educating on the why. And then, you know, we've had um, just podcast subscribers that have picked up that have been clients for, you know, 15 plus years. Um, and then, you know, part of it is also is, it's kind of like what David was alluding to. It's, you know, I, I go back to a client that we landed um, about five years ago. And <clears throat> so it was between us, you know, this firm and two other firms here locally. And, and uh, we were going through the interview process and, you know, the main, uh, let's say the main asset manager in respect to that uh, portfolio came back to me at a later point and said, you know, in the first five minutes, I knew I was, going to hire you guys. And I, I pushed him a little bit. And I'm like, why, you know, why did you know in the first five minutes? And he said, well, you knew your numbers. And, and so my, my message there is know your metrics, know your, your company metrics and uh, know what types of questions investors are asking 
And we're always helpful. They're, they're just, you know, willing to just kind of share that information with anybody that might be interested. But Brian teaches a wonderful class on KPIs. It's unbelievable. But it's it's, it's so easy. And it, it, once you get it set up, and, and even with us, with five five locations and getting my managers to give that back to me every month, there's some resistance on the front end. But once you get rolling with it, you know, they love it because then it's like, hey, I, I kind of, I get a gauge how my, how my market's doing. And then I get to gauge every market plus the entire company together. And I, I turn around and share those results with Jonathan. So he sees the business development side of it as well. But uh, just knowing that. And then, you know, another comment that David made, and I, when we pushed off into our breakout groups, uh, I brought this up because it, it stuck with me. Just wanted to understand how property managers viewed uh, the remark that he made. But he said, you know, we bring in some of our own systems and we ask them to follow our systems. So many of your listeners, I'm sure are like, ah, you know, I don't want to, we're not going to take that client on, but I would implore you to entertain the thought because some of your larger clients, they are, I mean, they're going to have their own systems and procedures and things they like. There is a meeting of the minds that you can come to with them after you, you know, you establish yourself as the expert and then you come together and you're working together as a team. And that's the environment you want to have. And uh, we've had a lot of success with uh, large clients. One of those we got off the podcast, by the way. Um, but it just continues to grow and we're their go-to. And ironically, that's that same client that we just talked out of the deal. Um, but that's the type of relationship we have because I view that as a, as a team environment where we're both contributing our expertise into the mix. Um, but there are certain things that they like to have done their way, and there's certain things we like to have done our way, and, and some things we do our way regardless, uh, and some we'll, we'll give and take, and that's for every operator to figure out as a firm owner as to what they're, what they're willing to do or not do uh, to have that business. And please don't, under, please don't understand what I'm saying as give away everything within your organization and, and put all your you know, all your eggs in that one basket. Don't ever do that. But there's but a risk assessment. There is. There is. You can't draw a hard line, in my opinion, and be able to be uh, flexible and be able to pivot and grow and uh, and learn. Honestly, because a lot of these clients have taught us a lot of, of useful uh, just tricks of the trade throughout the years, and uh, particularly in the reporting aspect and and knowing what they're looking for. And it kind of goes back to something I said earlier. Is, understanding where your client's being educated so that we know what they're thinking, how they think we can absorb that. We can manage it. We can merge it. We can manipulate it and, uh, and, and really form something that works for everybody. Mm. I, I want to say this as we wrap up, I'll give you guys a last word in case there's something like, Oh man, we didn't talk about X, Y, Z and, and people need to know about mm -hmm. that. But what I love about what you guys just shared is I think for people listening to bring this full circle, you know, I think about the communication needs of an uh, institutional investor, what kind of numbers they're looking for, on what frequency, et cetera. And, and I think what you guys have shared is, hey, before we started working with that customer, uh, you know, we might have we might have done things differently, reported differently, approached things differently. And as they expressed their their needs to us and what was motivated by, we were able to be collaborative with them. And able to and hey, we learned some things from that that might even be valuable to other people as well. Um, and it's informed how you do things. That's great, you know. And that is different than the intentional investor or the accidental owner. 
Jonathan, I love what you shared at the beginning and just a very practical example. I think people, uh, listen, anyone listening to this, <laughs> this, the Triple Win podcast is not for people who got into property management yesterday. You know, th- oh, this, is yeah. for, this is for the pros, the dedicated professional property managers. So everyone can relate to the kind of scenario, the importance of having thick skin, the importance of empathy, being willing to slow down uh, and being able to meet that person where they are and then take them to a point of view or a different conversation about here's what's going on. Here's how to think about this to get what you want, right? And this result. And so here's what we're going to do next. And I loved how Brian reinforced that with, and then we live in a world today where you order a Domino's pizza and you can see to the second when it's being made, when it's in the car, when it's a block away, Mm -hmm. when it's at your doorstep, right? (laughs) And so there's all these things happening that influence people's expectations, about what good information sharing looks like, right? About what good communication looks like. And so it it seems to me like you guys have recognized that. Here's what's happening with people's expectations. Let's manage those expectations, right? Help set those expectations. And let's deliver on an experience of communication that meets or ideally exceeds those things. And then the last thing I wrote down was, if people are only hearing from you when you need something from them <laughs> or when you have bad news, right? Here is a bill to pay. Then you're, you're conditioning people to not want to take the phone call, which is, I think, what you said how a lot of property managers feel, right? Yeah. When a property owner is calling them, they're like, oh, I'm afraid. Let me just handle this by email because it's a big emotional investment to get into this one, right? And how do you change that relationship? You know, a big part of it is doing the kind of things you guys do proactively educating, proactively setting expectations, proactively delivering good news, uh, delivering these positive touch points and things that, you know, here's where we're succeeding. Here's what's going well. Uh, how important that is um, to have that kind of relationship. So when the bad things happen, right, you guys have invested, you've put deposits into an account. So that when a bad thing happens, like you can make a withdrawal and your check won't bounce, right? right. In that right. relationship. Um, so I just love what you guys shared there. I'm sure a lot of pe- a lot of people will be will be taking that away as a highlight. Um, let me turn it back to you guys. Anything, anything else you feel would be important to share? Anything else you'd like to say? Oh well, you want to go first? No, you don't. No. <laughs> Well, I would just, uh, honestly, I would just like to, you know, offer, uh, offer up just, you know, any, any, uh, if anybody just wants somebody to hear what they, what their problem is, I'm always available, always make myself available. Uh, easy way to reach out to us is podcast at ahiproperties.com. Um, it goes to both of us and, uh, we're happy to chip in that, uh, yeah, there's a lot of programs and, and again we're not we're not perfect we just we identify kind of the why why something's happening and try to address it and be proactive with it and when you get off track just focus on getting back on track i mean that's the easiest approach because it's it's going to come off track it's just uh you know being in this industry for as long as i have i've, I've seen it happen many many times but uh, as long as you're always improving and, and trying to make yourself and your team better 
And the other thing I would recommend if somebody's, you know, if they're a, a leader in their company or a firm runner, you know, take your take your managers and your team members, and they're going to bring problems to you, but always ask, what would you do? And let oh, them come up with their own solution. And, and that's that's a good education piece. You can talk through stuff together, uh, and come up with uh, solutions that work for everyone. So, but uh, again, I, I thank you. Uh, and I'll let Jonathan say his piece, but uh, Andrew, thank you so much for having us on. I appreciate it. And I always uh, appreciate you guys. You guys have done so much for our industry and uh, you guys are uh, just top notch and, and uh, some of my favorite people. So uh, appreciate everything you guys have done. So yeah, I 100% agree with that. And Andrew, you and the Second Nature team have always been more than a delight to see at every every outing that brian and i go to it's like oh there's it's it's it's, that's where we're we're looking where's the purple where's our guys all right so we're going to go hang out over here with our friends before we start work i mean i appreciate everything you guys do in this industry because y'all are i mean leaders y'all are trendsetters you guys are fantastic i appreciate everything you guys do um i'll I'll come back to the the point that i've been making the entire time and, and i understand that i benefit from being um, at a company where I have a Brian Jenkins to, to set me up for success in a way that not everybody gets. And that's a, that's a big step that I get that some people don't. And, and I don't know a way around that other than get yourself a Brian Jenkins. I don't know how to solve that that for everybody. But the, the thing that, that I think sets us apart from a lot of people is not something that is intangible. It's not impossible to do. It's knowledge. Knowledge is not just a thing that I was born with or Brian was born with. It's research. It's find that information out. It's not just identify a problem and leave it sitting there. Find a solution. Figure it out. You can. I, I spend the majority of every day that I am here in this office doing research, whether that is on the national trends of the real estate investment market, my local individual markets, what they've looked like for the last three years, four years, 10 years, whatever it is, some new concepts that someone may have come up with, some maintenance solutions that can drop a percentage here and there. And so that I am I am equipped with the answers to these accidental landlords or these intentional investors that, that come through even the best intentional investors we have, even some some big fun, like like in like institutional investors don't know everything. They might know the big concept from a ten thousand foot view of the national averages are X. But when it comes mm-hmm. to some street in Birmingham, Alabama, they don't know it from a hole in the ground. They don't know why you know, the north side of this area rents for this amount and the south side of this area rents for this amount and where those dividing lines are. And so understanding what the goal is and having enough equipped knowledge to say, okay, so I know both of these are within, you know, 500 yards of each other. And I know you own both of them, but I can't put them both at the same rental price because this means this means this. And this is, this is where this dividing line is. That's why we need to change this to this and this to this. And, and just have some reasoning behind it. And it helps if you have a bunch of Excel sheets and graphs and stuff to show behind that. that you've, I've done the research, but you don't have that unless you do the research. Find out. Just Brian talks about 
key performance indicators, teaches a class on it. You don't just know that you need those KPIs before you have them. Monthly, we report a ton of information to Brian for him to come up with those numbers, for us to all be equipped with those numbers, for us to report them back to other people. If you got to have it. The only way to find out is to do research. Educate yourself on it. Yeah, and once, that, that goes a long way. Back to that frameworks concept. Once you have a framework set up for it, it's super easy. Uh, it doesn't take a lot of time. It's what's what's it take you to put your portion together each month? Uh, 45 Four, minutes. Yeah, 45 minutes, hour max, branch managers. So, um, you know, and it's something, again, something that was laborsome in the beginning. You know, we're all, A, we're human, B, we're property managers. We don't like new things. We don't like change usually. <laughs> Try to break that mold and, and encourage our, our teams to do that. But uh, but I, I think um, you know just just valuing sharing the why and that's the big thing. We don't don't share that with our clients. We share it with our team so they understand why we're bringing these things on and doing these things because the high end is the success marker and uh, and understanding that sometimes <clears throat> some of those things get adopted well. Sometimes they take a little time and. Uh, you know, other times they don't. So it's uh, it's just something that we're always trying to improve upon, and and uh, always, you know, leave with one thing: it's like just do the right thing. When it comes yeah, down to it, at the end of the day, do the right thing. And I think if you can do the right thing, you, you're going to be successful. Hmm. What a fantastic note to end on. Uh, two of my favorite people, and anybody who's listening to this, you know. I just want to express publicly some appreciation to Brian and Jonathan for, you know, giving a piece of their life to all of us today and sharing their expertise, being generous with what they shared today. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there's multiple things you could be finding helpful here. There's a lot of things that were practical. You could take action on right away, um, which is great as well as some bigger ideas that can inform how you work on things for a long period of time. And uh, when I think about two of my favorite people in the industry, I'm looking at them right now, and I just think about what a great duo you two are. It's our first duo podcast. Boom. Uh, and when I think about the calm and the composure of a Brian Jenkins and how, like, that would be a voice I would want to listen to and a person I'd want to listen to in the property management industry for a long, my, long time. You need to tell my wife that, though, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> we work together. How many, how many couples do you know that actually work together? So, uh, it's <laughs> well, he does too. I, I forgot about that. So, my, my, my wife's downstairs. <laughs> there, there's another dynamic duo. That's right, there, the Jenkins right. and, uh, and the Cooks. She's the incredible. Cooks. That's right, the Cooks. Uh, it's, 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 it's fun stuff. It's great, and. Um, and Jonathan, you know, I think of your energy, your passion. Uh, it comes through. You know, the genuine care comes through. Uh, and your your passion for helping people, educating people, doing. I mean, you're you're in the right seat on the bus uh, for sure at AHI for everything you do, and you contribute in a big, big way, not just in the company but in the industry. And you're 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 spreading your influence. Uh, you know, beyond even just the company you're in. We appreciate you for that. And uh, listen, guys, this was a lot of fun, really valuable. Uh, thanks again for taking the time with us. Oh, Thank you so much, man. We appreciate it. Thank you. That's all for this episode of The Triple Win. 
thanks go out to Carol Housel and Jeff Tucker for everything they do to put these episodes together. And we want to remind everyone that you can find more resources, upcoming events, a link to our private Facebook group where the conversation continues in between these episodes with other professional property managers. All of that you can find at rbp.secondnature.com. Again, that's rbp.secondnature.com. And until next time, keep transforming what it means to be in professional property management by finding and applying your next triple win. We want it to be true that every time we see you, we see a better version of you and your business. With that, cheers. Cheers.